But I was thinking this morning, because Colton, he's a little under the weather. And some of you don't know my kids. What are the names? Chloe, <laughs> Caleb, Colton. I do forget sometimes. And Kaylee, because they're all C's. And, 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 and Colton, a.k.a. Taz, he's, he's slowly outgrowing Taz. Not really. And he had a fever, or he was a little sick. He's not, he's not Jeremy. We're hiding him in the back. And he came in, in the middle of the night, and he, he comes in, Dad, my, like at 3 a.m., Dad, my throat. My throat hurts so bad. I mean, he was just dying in this ailment, okay? And he was like running around before bedtime, no big deal. And, 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 and I said, okay, you can sleep on the floor right there. And he goes, I can? I can? Okay. And he, 3 a.m., he runs and gets his, his, his alligator and his blankie. And, I mean, he was instantly healed. I mean, he was sick, but he went from dying to joy and running again at 3 a.m. to his room. And so I was just thinking, you know, the difference between him and Caleb is, dramatic and when we had kids we thought well they're boys so we'll do boy stuff and it'll we'll teach the same thing to each boy and it'll it'll come out the same because because of how it worked on Caleb would, would work on Colton right same with girls right it's just a one size fits all you know how it is with kids one size does not fit all so everything that like Caleb he's real sensitive and he's real, um, he's real concentrated. So when you tell him something, he's real focused, and he's a thinker. And you can just look at him with a, if he's done something bad, you just look at him hard, he'll just break down in tears, and that's all you got to do. Colton, he'll laugh at you when he's bad. You can, you can spank him. Yeah, we do that sometimes. You, you, can, you can reprimand him. You can take his stuff. And he will laugh at you no matter what. He will laugh in your face. They're only a year and a half apart, Okay. And they have two different personalities. And so what I did as a dad to, to try to teach what I did for Caleb isn't working on Colton. I learned I had to adjust that my love was the same for both and my goal was the same for both. But my application had to be different for both because it wasn't working the way it worked on one. It wasn't the same plan that worked on the other. In fact, it was a complete fail. And I've never felt so defeated as a man than as my son Colton has made me feel when he was like three and four years old. Because he would fight back verbally so aggressively that nothing worked to break this kid. And you had to willpower. You had to, you had to show him who, you know, you had to show them you weren't going to back down. And it took hours sometimes because... He's, he's stubborn as nails, and you leave yourself going, man, I don't understand, God. This, this is supposed to work. It worked with Caleb. Why doesn't it work with Colton? And so I realized through growth as a dad that my approach had to change a little bit. And the same, with, same thing with little tiny tornado, Kaylee. You all know Kaylee. She's so cute until, until no one's looking, and she's like Tazette. She's just like Colton. And Chloe and Kaylee are totally different people and personalities and Chloe's like Caleb where I can just give her a look and she she knows she's in trouble and she listens she doesn't argue back she doesn't talk back she doesn't laugh at you that's for sure oh man my mom Italian she would have knocked me off my chair if I laughed at her when I was a kid get out the whatever she had nearby that's what that's what was coming is she in here she's teaching she's teaching class okay good <laughs> sometimes it just comes out and later she's like, did you hear that no what are you talking about okay good she wouldn't disagree. Dan's here to witness. So the intent was the same for all the children, but the application had to change. My love didn't vary between the children. My application had to change. So what worked for one didn't work for another. See, many of us have seen God do miracles, signs, wonders a certain way in our life, and we have seen him confirm a feeling 
or a thought or answer a prayer on multiple occasions. But we've seen God move in our lives so many times we expect confirmation a certain way every time to know it's him. We start becoming dependent on the confirmation instead of him because we're used to it. We're used to God doing good things. And the way we've learned it is the way we think it actually always will be. But what do we do when we don't get the confirmation we hoped for? We prayed, we asked, we diligently served, but yet the confirmation we'd seen God deliver in the past never came to pass this time around. It's hard to gloat when you feel like God's not answering. Is it possible God chooses to not keep us in a how pattern with him so we don't become less dependent on our faith and more dependent on his confirmations. See, if we forget who's delivering the confirmations, we lose our faith. It's like the bread. Remember yesterday's bread is similar. We become so dependent on the bread, we forget he's the bread maker. So we get caught up in how confirmations look and feel and how the church looks and feels and how witnessing looks and feels because of just how we learned it that we forget maybe that's not the way God is going to do it again. If we expect it a certain way, we may start disqualifying the ways God can move in our life, continuing to focus on yesterday's confirmation. I ask you today, we're having a little bit of mic issues. Can you guys hear the phase out there like it is up here, Kelly? Can you hear it phasing? No? Okay, that's good. See, I just say it when there's a problem. I just talk about it. It's easier. I ask you today that you bear witness, though, of the great things God has done for you, but be careful not to put God in a box if you don't get the result that you've seen before. Do not rule out the existence of Jesus in your situation, your season, or your life because he didn't answer it like you expected him to. Your prayer feels void. What a waste of time this has become. He's not answering my prayers. Why bother? That's more reason to stay faithful because just because he confirmed it that way before, it's very likely he will confirm it a different way next time around. And we get stuck on needing that confirmation to believe. Like one of the apostles, Thomas, doubting Thomas. If we go to John chapter 20, verse 24 through 29, how many remember Thomas? Doubting Thomas. He doesn't really have a good connotation about him in the scripture. Him and Judas, they were like the black sheep of the group. It says in verse 24, now Thomas called the twin, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. This is after Jesus rose from the dead and witnessed back to over 500 before he ascended. But he wasn't there when the others started seeing him that he was risen. It says, now Thomas called the twin, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see his hands, the print of the nails and put my fingers into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side because he had been speared by a soldier in his side and blood and water poured out on the cross. I will not believe unless I feel it. I want proof, okay? I want confirmation. I want proof. And then I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when I see it. 
It says 26, after eight days, the disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them, and Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, peace to you all. Then he said, Thomas, come here. I heard what you said. Reach your finger in here. You see that hole? I am who I say I am. Oh, I am who I say I am. Look at this hole. Reach your finger in here and look at my hands and reach your hand in here and put it into this spear hole in my side. Ew. That had to be a little bit of an awkward moment to stick your hand in a man's open wound of his rib cage. But God will go to drastic measures to get your attention when you're doing foolish things like saying, I know how God works. And if he was God, then he's going to do this. And God says, OK, but I'm going to show you better. Here it comes. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here. He stuck his hand on his side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God, he got his attention. He thought, oh, man, what was I thinking? But Jesus, he's so good. It's like he's God or something. He said, he said, he said, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. You got your confirmation, T. But blessed, everybody say, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. One more time. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. He's showing this is here. Thomas, this approach is here. And yes, you see and you believe. But this is where you'll be blessed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. The title of this message is Confirmation Consequences. Confirmation consequences. See, when we're stuck on God's confirmations, there can be a consequence of missing God altogether, missing the blessing. See, God will often keep us guessing with how he works, not because he enjoys our struggle, but because he desires unwavering, unwavering faithfulness. God will often Keep us guessing, not because he enjoys your struggle. He doesn't enjoy your struggle, but he allows struggle. Look at Job. He allows struggle. Look at Lazarus. He allows struggle. Look, struggle. Look at Peter denying him three times. He allows struggle because he desires unwavering faithfulness. And if you don't get in the struggle sometimes, he can't get your attention because you're just thinking, well, if he was real, he would just show me his hands. And God said, I got so much more, but you don't believe because you can't see. I believe it when I see it, says Thomas. I believe it when I see it. I know you all said you saw him, but I'll believe it when I see it because I don't believe what I don't see. I got it all figured out, says Thomas. Anybody ever feel like, I do, I feel like Thomas sometimes. Anybody ever feel like Thomas? Amen. It's okay. We've all felt like doubting Thomas because sometimes it feels like God's not there. Show me your nail, nail holes, God. Show me your spear hole. And we're quick to tell people what works. Oh, you should handle your kids this way. I don't have any kids. Oh, you should do this in your marriage. I don't have a relationship. Oh, you should do this. And we're quick to tell people what works because we regurgitated what we've seen somewhere. Instead of by faith, trusting in all things. 
my faith has become in my understanding. Oh, this could, this could really go into another message. You know, when your faith gets in something greater than God, you know what they call that? They call it idolatry. It's because even though we don't think of it like that, when your faith is like in your money, I mean, I've been there. When money's flowing and the bills, the bills are paid, you feel like life is, you got it. You got life by the thing until someone gets ill or something happens. But when your faith becomes more prevalent in something else other than God, that becomes your God, essentially. And we don't think of it like that, but it's all over the Bible, like the golden calf, the Tower of Babel. It's, it's idolatry in the sense that we put our faith in something other than the Lord. And there is no one besides me, says God. And I'm a jealous God. There's no other name. So our faith has to be rooted first in Jesus. And all those other things have to come second. So when our faith is based in understanding, it's another type of idol. My understanding, my brain. I got it. My faith is in my ability, see? Then I become stupid. You know when you think you've got it really figured out? That's when you actually become stupid. Because like the Pharisees, we say stupid here sometimes. I don't know. It's just, you know, it just works. And like the Pharisees, you know, they, they had it so figured out, they couldn't get past the law. When Jesus was there walking with them, they still couldn't understand the new covenant. And they denied him and they killed him over it because they couldn't get past this. Their understanding was a certain way. And if it wasn't confirmed again the same way, it was not God. Because they expected a roaring lion to come, not a lamb. And we know the lion was in the lamb, but God delivered a lamb unexpected the way they foresaw it all the years of prophecy. But our understanding in this world, I mean, we can Google something and feel intelligent really quick. And then all of a sudden we're telling people about it as if it's our own thought. We can regurgitate and start buying into our own understanding and forget that we, we don't, we're always going to not know everything. We're always going to have to learn more. And we'll never understand God because he has no counselor. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. We can't understand God. We can't understand spiritual with our senses. That's why when something spiritual happens in the church, people freak out. It's because we're sensual people, and it goes against our confirmation of understanding and our logic system. But God doesn't want us to use our logic system with God because he's God and he's spiritual. God has to do spiritual to show you a separation from man versus God. So we get, we get so caught up in this understanding that we start rationalizing how God's going to move and when it's God and all these things that we forget about our faith. Like, like Kaylee, bless her heart, every morning, every morning pretty much since they've been born, as they've learned to walk, each kid came along. Um, I try to, I work, I work out of the house. I, I, I give them a kiss and a hug and I say, love you, see you later. They know I go up to my office. They know I'm working. But I always give them a kiss. And it's just like a quick thing. Sometimes I've had meltdowns, you know, because when you work at home, you can have meltdowns, especially in the IT world. It's high pressure. And I've had meltdowns with the, with the three-year-olds. Daddy's working, don't you understand? What are you doing? What are you, three? Come on, act your age. I need drink. Oh, okay. Where's your mom? Why is your mom doing this? Just, well, that's a joke. Sometimes sometimes it's true. Hey, go tell your mom. Daddy's on a phone call. But this one morning, uh, so I kiss him. Daddy loves you. Give me a kiss. Give me a kiss. Give me a kiss. Where is she? She's not interested in me. Sometimes she'll do it. Sometimes she runs from me. 
I don't want to fight with her. Sometimes I force her to give me the kiss. It just depends on the day. Well, one day I forgot. I kissed everybody but Kaylee. And she goes, I walked upstairs. I'm walking over the second floor. It's an open family room. I look down. You didn't give me a kiss. Translated, you didn't give me kiss. Didn't give me a kiss. I thought she didn't care. She was so used to the kiss that when I didn't kiss her, she forgot I loved her. Hold on. Daddy, don't, you didn't kiss me. But see, she didn't understand that it didn't change my love for her because I forgot to kiss her that morning in the way she expected. And that's kind of how it is with God. If he doesn't kiss us the way we expected from the time before, bless us like he, like he did the time before, we start thinking he, he left us already. And here we are back to going to some other means to solve the problem. That's what the Israelites did. That's what we all do. It's like the nature of man. The thing, the, the thing that's so funny about God creating man is that he so desires our love and affection to him like he does for us. And, and it's, it's in, he knows. He knows it's how we are. It's in our DNA to keep kind of going back to the same ways when something happens. It's a fight. It's always a battle. To, it's like eating healthy. It's always a battle. It's so much easier to grab the potato chips. Why is that? Why is the bad stuff always so much easier? I don't know. It's just, the, it's just the, the nature of humanity and flesh. But he loves us anyway, and when we miss that confirmation because we didn't get it the same way as the day before, we start saying, oh, God left us already. I don't know what I'm going to do. This is not God's will. Maybe it is God's will because he didn't answer it like you wanted. Maybe he's answering you because he's doing it differently. And if he gave it to you the way you wanted, you keep getting the same result. You know what I mean? Sometimes you got to be shaken up and get a little bit different answer from God to see things different. Because when he gets, keeps giving you the same thing over and over, you stay the same. Eventually, you got to outgrow the manna and get to the harvest in the field and grow your own crops. Yesterday's bread, plug, you version. But it's the same, it's the same concept. Eventually, you got to grow into another, another way. Eventually, we have to get off milk and get to meat. But I've seen God do it that way, and that's, that's what he'll do for you. It'll preach good. I'll tell others boldly what they'll do for them. But what I've learned in reality is I don't know how he'll do it for every person because it's different. You know, just because he could, he could give me or he could give Caleb a stare and Caleb would melt, well, Colton will laugh. So his approach is going to be different with Colton, just like, Daddy. But God often will keep us guessing, and it's not because he enjoys your struggle but it's because he desires unwavering faithfulness. And yesterday's confirmation continues to be the focus, so I'm staying the same. God is trying to show you something new, perhaps, but you're still looking for God to deliver the same until he shows me the whole, until he shows me the whole. What about when he's not answering my cry? I haven't seen the hole. He's not answering me. And doubt takes hold. Doubt takes hold. When you feel weak, you start doubting, and that's when the devil comes in. And he'll start playing back up here. That's right. He didn't answer you. That's right. You're wasting your time. He'll start planting more seeds, and all he wants you to do is entertain those things. He'll start bringing up your past. That's what the devil loves to do is bring up your past because if he can get your mind to stop, he gets your life. You say, No. I'm not doing that. I will believe, though I have not seen yet. I will believe. 
it's funny because when God did the first thing we ever saw God do, we never seen him do it, right? And we believed. But now that we've seen him do it, we think he's going to do it the same way every time. And we forget he can do it again the way he did it the first time, which shocked us then. Remember when we were all excited, like, whoa, whoa. Oh, my Lord. Did you, did you see what God did? And now it's like, yeah, he does that for everybody. And he's like, no, actually, I don't. And I got something to do for you again. That's a continual thing. That should never stop. You should never lose that fire for God. It's because we get used to those confirmations. I've seen those miracles. But God doesn't desire your struggle, but often we are humbled in the times of trouble because it gets our focus. When we really say, all right, I don't have a plane ride home. All right, uh, I don't know what to do. Where are you, God? What do I do? How we feel when trouble strikes, then we either start doubting like Thomas or we reach further for God. We say, okay, we, we don't know. I don't know. I'm tired of trying to figure it out. I'm just going to give it to you, Lord. I've prayed, and I don't see you producing the miracle I've been waiting on. But what takes more faith, getting an answer to your prayer or expecting God's will? Think about that for a second. We pray for God to answer our prayer, but we, 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 we should desire his will. And to desire his will is maybe not to get the answer to the prayer. You see how it's, it's a challenge because maybe his will is not what we're asking for. That's why it's harder to be truly faithful and say, whatever your will is, I want this, God, but if it's not your will, just show me your will. It's hard because then we feel like we have to let go of something. But the truth is, and I think I touched on this last week, when we really put that trust in him, we don't want the things we were trying to hold on to to begin with. We lose interest. It's like we develop a new palate of flavor in our mouth, kind of like the first time I had a good corn tortilla cooked the right way with some smoked brisket on it, and then I went back to Taco Bell. I said, what's this? I'm eating this food. This is food. But I didn't know. I didn't know until I tasted better. You see? And often we can't know that we need to taste something better until we're in a little bit of a struggle. And God doesn't enjoy this, but it's, he desires unwavering faithfulness. And that's when he can get your attention when those situations occur. It's a growing season. The greatest changes in my life come from unexpected eye openers. It's like Nick at the concert. It wasn't planned. And now it's a memory. It's an awesome memory he'll never forget, and it wasn't planned. It's the unexpected eye-openers that you remember, that change happens. We have to be careful not to find ourselves depending on previous confirmation. It feels like the joke's on me. God's not listening, but maybe I need to be patient. Maybe I need to pray. Maybe I, maybe I need to fully believe in what I can't see and that God's going to still do something for me as long as I just trust him and not worry about how, but no, he will. I will keep putting my faith in him. Come on, somebody. Is that true for you? You want to put your faith in him and know that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how he's going to do it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because I don't know. We can't know, so it doesn't matter. So when you release that weight and quit holding on to how, then you'll see deliverance. 
And just because you can't see God doesn't mean he doesn't understand and that he's not with you. He says, I was with you from the beginning. I made you. I was with you when you knew me not. I was with you when you denied me, Peter. I was with you when you said crucify him. I still knew, even though you didn't know me. I still knew you. So I am with you when you think I'm not answering your prayers, and you think it's not fair, and life's hard, and it is hard sometimes, but I am with you, and I have a plan, and there's speed bumps, and sometimes when we're humbled in the times of trouble, that's when God can save us from the pits of hell. Otherwise, complacency can kill you. Going through the motions can kill you. Sometimes you need a little season to shake up the weather patterns in your life so that you get your eyes on God. Otherwise, you just kind of coast and nothing happens. I don't know who everybody here was alive during 9-11. When 9-11 happened, well, I don't know. Let's see, what was it, 2001, 2000? Some of you are pretty young, but when 9-11 happened, who remembers the feeling in the air, the country, the demeanor of the mood of everyone, it like came together, and like nothing else mattered anymore. It was about these people, and everybody's heart went out to these people, and it's, it's so sad what happened, but what it did was it showed the depth of people's hearts when they're not pulled by all the distractions of the world. I remember seeing act, an actress on TV just start crying right in the middle of an interview because she started questioning, what am I doing with my life? Like people started thinking, okay, okay, uh, I could not be here tomorrow. Maybe I need to look more into this Bible thing. And, and prayers went up and Bible sales went up and churches were filling up because people wanted God. It's in those seasons when the distraction is removed that God reminds us, I was never gone and when you truly need somebody, I'm the one you're going to call on because I'm the only one who can redeem this problem for you. And you don't have to worry about how because I will and he did and he continues to do it. We must, buy, we must live by something greater. It doesn't mean you got to live in fear. This is one thing I didn't like about church growing up. I always felt like kind of down. But God wants you to have a life of joy. He doesn't want you to live in fear. He doesn't want you to live in uh, worry. He wants you to not have an anxious mind and to, to have peace in mind and think on these things. He wants you to live in joy. And the fear of God is like the fear of a father. It's, it's, a, it's a reprimanding love a father gives. I knew, I knew if I crossed my dad when I was a kid, there was going to be a, a reprimanding, but I never questioned his love for me. It was never that kind of fear. And that's the kind of fear of God the Bible talks about because we have to be reverent to our creator. And if we're not respectful and we laugh in the face of God, we are going to fall by the wayside because he can't help us because we won't see him. But we should live in joy. We should be joyful. I didn't know God would do that for me. That's right. And you didn't know he was going to do that for you the first time it happened either. And it was shocking then, but you've forgotten back then. It's been so long now. God still wants to do that. He doesn't want you to become a disgruntled church person who just goes to church and forgets and falls asleep and does, does whatever and talks about what the people wear and talks about the music they play. And they should play this kind of song out in the parking lot to the neighbors because the neighbors think this would bring people to church because, because you know, this song from 1982 would be so much better. That really happened. I disagree. I didn't like the song. 
But see, the focus is off God. It's, it's on all the, the mechanics. We become mechanical experts. And we start mechanically defining God. But that's not how it works. I lay it all on the floor of faith and stand strong on the rock of my salvation. And it takes growing pains. If you want to grow, it takes stretching. Stretching is painful sometimes. We know about stretching in so many different ways. When I was a kid, I had this pain in my heels, and I started limping, and I had this pain in my heels, and I didn't know what was going on. And we went to the doctor, and and the doctor said, it's growing pains. It's growing pains. It's like my heel was growing. When a baby's growing in, in the woman, it's not like, I mean, I've never been pregnant, but it's not like the most comfortable thing as the baby's growing, right? But look what God is doing. He's producing something that cannot be replaced, amen? But it takes growing pains. It takes stretching. And if you want to see new fruit in your life, you have to be stretched out of what you're used to. That rubber band needs stretching and something new, and he can't do it with a lot of, little bit of discomfort, without a, a little bit of discomfort. We need some growing pains. God wants to do a new work in you. God uses adversity to bring revelation. God uses unfamiliar situations to sharpen our iron. If you want to grow, you got to go through some stuff sometimes. If you want to grow, you got to go through some stuff sometimes. And God does not enjoy making us guess. He'll keep us guessing often, but he does desire our unwavering faithfulness and just like in the psalm 23 4 just preach it to yourself when you're feeling down it says yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no one for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me preach it to yourself when you feel like he's not there preach it to yourself his word is living and it is life and when you speak the word of God back to yourself you are drawing the Lord near just like in prayer Don't rely on what I did. Rely on me, for I am the Lord. Don't focus on what I'll do. Focus on the fact that I am with you. You want real blessing? Verse 29. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet believed. Blessed are those who have not seen what I'm going to do, but yet believe. Blessed are those who believe when nothing seems right and it seems impossible and the world laughs in your face. Blessed are those because I am not the world. Believe when your prayers feel void. I encourage you. God wants to grow your spiritual roots. Believe when you feel like he's not listening. Pray when you feel like he's not listening. Faith follows without knowing the finish line. If you all could stand to your feet with me. Faith follows without knowing the finish line. God will often keep you guessing. Not because he enjoys your struggle. Because he desires unwavering faithfulness. God says to you today, this morning, remember me in all things. I am with you in all things. How I helped you yesterday is not relevant to how I will today. Don't get in the how pattern. Stay in the who plan. Don't miss the blessing because of what you're expecting. That's a good one. If you want to write it down in your mind, because you don't have a pen. 
Don't miss the blessing because you're relying on what you're expecting. The confirmation is what I expect, and it's a consequence of getting confirmation after confirmation. Jesus has something new for us today, and it's not yesterday's confirmation. Come on, somebody give him a shout of praise this morning. Give him five seconds of praise just to let him know you believe, you can't see, you don't know where it's going, but we're going to believe anyway, and we're going to trust as you lead my steps. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no one, for you are with me. Amen? Let's pray, and let's do some worship, and we're going to go about our weekend. Lord, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. We pray, God, the name above all names. We are so thankful we have an opportunity to shout joy in your house, to give praises to the heavens, to draw you and the angels near. We are so thankful, God, and we know that we don't have to worry about what you're going to do and when you're going to do it. And we, we take the whole burden, God, and we cast it on you for your burden is light and your yoke is easy. And we trust fully, God. We want to have unwavering faith in this church. We want to have unwavering faith when we tell the world about one seat church and what you're going to do to lives and we're going to draw people here and let them experience the same love you have given us that you have it for them and they're going to see it and then I want to go home and tell all their friends like all the people you healed in the Bible God we're going to draw them the same way go tell those good things which God has done for you and if the house of God can say in Jesus name Amen